0: She had enough firepower, but that was a tough examination at the hands of Kalinskaya, who really impressed with so many elements of her game tonight.
1: But it is Rebacana, who gets the win and moves into round three in Miami. And that's
0: the ninth match in a row she's won. That is... Mighty momentum. To Here she come is. all
2: the way from Indian Wells, where you're up there in the sky, right as happy as can be, winning a 1,000. Now you have to come back down to earth and get back to work. Is that tricky?
1: Yeah, well, it's not easy. I had just two days to adapt, and uh, still, it's not easy. First time I'm playing on this court, and uh, it was really a tough match, but I'm happy that I managed to win in the end.
2: What do you think was the difference tonight? Uh, Big serving when it counted, but things got a little tricky there. She is a tough competitor, and it took you three sets. What do you think was the key tonight?
1: Uh, Well, I had the opportunity to close in two sets, but... I uh, did some couple of easy mistakes, Anna returned really well a few times, a few double falls and it changed really quick and uh, yeah, I still think that I'm adapting to everything. Course, of course, completely different, it's much faster so it's not easy at all and uh, yeah, in the end I think my serve and just uh, a better uh, movement maybe in the third set.
2: Next up is Paula Bedosa who you've had tough matches with in the past, but you did beat her in Route 2, winning the trophy out at Indian Wells. What are your thoughts about taking on the Spaniard?
1: Well, for sure another tough battle, and uh, first thing for me, of course, is to try to recover and uh, be fresh, so I try my best and see how it's going to go.
2: Well, everybody's happy to have you here in Miami, so ladies and gentlemen, let's hear for Elena Rybakina.
1: Thank you so much.
2: Here's a test
0: take home. Well, interesting hearing her perception, Sophie, of the speed of the court much faster than Indian Wells, which a lot of the players talked about how slow it was out there in the Californian desert.
1: Yeah, most players have been saying that it's kind of like even with what it was in the desert, but uh, maybe the night also makes it a little faster in the air.
0: Welcome to Trips Tennis Talk, the amateur podcast about professional tennis. It is 8.44 p.m. West Coast, Thursday, March 23. That means it's 11.45 in Miami. And as you just heard there, we had a live look in at the end of Elena Rubachina's, uh match. It got pretty complicated in the end. Um, but she ended up getting it done. Let's go right to topic one. We're going to start today with a score read, and we're going to immerse ourselves in what happened today. We'll start with the WTA. All right. Um, Robokina beat Kalinskaya 7-5, 4-6, 6 This was 7-5, 4-1 in Robokina's favor. She lost five consecutive games to lose the second set. And it was two all in the third set, I believe. And Rebakana eventually righted the ship to get through that one. But as you heard Andrew Krasny imply there, the on-court interviewer, it's a tough turnaround. And it is a completely different environment. Number one, it was a completely different day part than the final on Sunday afternoon, playing late into the night. Two, the conditions are totally different. You might be able to hear the coffee being finished in the background there. Here is a little coffee sip for you. Completely different time of day. Completely different conditions. Humid out east. It definitely was not that out west. And the atmosphere is, com- is completely different. That obviously has to do with the stage of the tournament. At the final, everyone's got their tickets well in advance. They're there for the occasion. But this occasion here, it is the Thursday of a two-week Masters event. It's the first Thursday. The crowd was an absolute disgrace. There was nobody in the stands. That is on the fans. What the heck are you guys doing? Like, this is a Masters 1000 tournament with a night session Grand Slam winner who made the finals of the previous Grand Slam and who just won the tournament last week. Why was the house not packed for Elena Rabakina? And yes, I've done a big heel turn. You know, 10 days ago, I would have you know, been on the side of the fans that were not in attendance this evening. But, and here I am sort of standing for Elena Rabakina. There should have been a fuller crowd in the stands to watch a player of that caliber and to watch a match of that level of intrigue. But unfortunately there wasn't. That is why tennis is dying in the United States. That is why Cincinnati might someday lose its license. That's why it's a European game. is because crowds are not full in one of the most culturally significant cities in the United States. Um, It's it's inexcusable. I understand it's a Thursday night. It's any night. And I understand you want to go to the club or you want to go to South Beach or all that stuff. But the tennis crowd needed to be there. And the tennis crowd was not there. And it's an absolute joke. Azarenka beat Georgie 6-3, 6-1. Trevisan beat Hibino 6-4, 6-3. Lynette beat Rodina 6-3, 6-4. Claire Liu is the huge beneficiary of Iga retirement. I did not mention that verbally on yesterday's pod. I did put it in the description. But just to formally say that, Sviantek, number one uh, in the world, and number one seed, Iga Sviantek, did withdraw from the 2023 Miami Open. Let's find that statement right now, and let's go ahead and read it. Um, Here is what she wrote yesterday. Here's Iga Sviantek on her decision to to withdraw. You know that in and after Doha, I was struggling with a strong infection. I was allowed to play, but a strong episode of tough cough led to a rib injury. We were trying to handle it and continue to play as long as it was safe for me. We were analyzing the data in the last days, and my doctor prepared my diagnosis. Unfortunately, I'm still feeling a lot of discomfort and pain, and I can't compete. I need to take a break to recover, and I have to pull out of the Miami Open and Billie Jean King Cup. I will keep you updated about where I play next because it depends on my process of recovering and the recommendation of my medical team. I have the best team behind me. We only need some time to deal with the injury. It's a truly difficult call to not play in Miami and BJKC but health is the most important, dot, dot, dot. I'm grateful this is the first health issue in a long time, and I was able to compete in perfect shape for so long, but that's sports. It happens, sometimes, without our control, dot, dot, dot. Time to accept it and get well as soon as possible. Taking a little bit of a digression here, this leaves up... Uh, Possibilities for the WTA rankings. So let's jump over there. Let's look at that real quick. In terms of the race, let's look at the race first. So in the race, Sviantek was not number one anyway. She's down in, in number three, and she's off of number one by some distance, approximately fifteen hundred points. What is that there? Fourteen hundred ninety points. She's off of number one. So in the short to medium term, that would appear to be unattainable. If she's down, uh, let's call it 1,500 at the start of Miami, she's probably going to be down 2,000 to 2,500 at the end of the tournament, especially if either Sabalenka or Rabakina, you know, wins the tournament here. So even if Sviancek won Madrid and Rome, and the other players lost in the first round of both of those, which isn't gonna happen in all those combinations combined. She's not gonna be uh, you know, number one by, you know, approximately French open time in the race, anyway. Looking at the actual ranking, let's take a look at that. She's still on top by about three thousand, but she's gonna lose a thousand. So she's gonna enter the clay season being approximately two thousand points ahead. And she won those, too, didn't she? I mean, I think she won Rome. I can't quite remember, and I'm not going to take the time to go look at this exact moment. But I could see I could see it being a tight battle for the actual number one spot by the time the French Open is rolled around, and that's pretty interesting. Um, in terms of her slipping out of number two, that could happen. It's not quite as likely. Pagula's another thousand points back in that third spot. That would take a significant collapse, I I would think. So, Sviantek, you know, is either going to be number one or number two, and as you guys know, that does not matter to your tournament seeding. Whether you're the number one or number two seed, you get an identical draw at a Grand Slam, basically. So as long as Sviantek's in the top two, I wouldn't really hit the panic button. But the fact that we're talking about... uh, she was such a dominant number one such a short time ago, and now we're discussing the very real possibility that she could not only not be a dominant number one, she could be knocked out of that number one spot, and now we're rationalizing her placement as num- We're rationalizing a second-place ranking as not something to pull the fire alarm about, despite, you know, her big lead... Um, being set to evaporate. It hasn't evaporated yet. The points are not going to come off for another 10 days. But a month from now, or six to eight weeks from now, Igui Sviantec's ranking could look a whole lot different. Anyway, circling back to Claire Liu. Claire Liu did not have to face Igui Sviantec today. She had to face Graber, and Claire Liu got the win, 6-4, 6-3. That's the longest analysis ever you're going to get of a Claire Liu versus uh, Graber match. Hadad Maya beat Martin Kova in the most tennis scoreline ever. 7 6, love 6, 6 love. Coco Goff beat Rebecca Marino, 6 4, 6 3. Ostapanko beat Bjorklund, 6 3, 6 4. beat Kostyuk, 6 1, 6 3. Samsonova beat Golubich, 6 1, 6 1. Pagula beat Sebov 6361. Collins beat Tomova 7662. Mardich beat um, let me get the first name. Zi Wong 6363. 6-3, 6-3. Bedosa got a much needed win. She beat Siegmund, 7 in 2 hours 51 minutes. Mertens beat the number 8 seed Kasatkina. Four six six two six two. There's a reason I have not talked that much about Daria Kasatkina on this podcast, despite her being a top eight to top ten seed very often. That's the reason why. Kinwen Zhang, my pick to win a Grand Slam this year, beat Begu two six six one six one. That is a routine three set win there. Going over to the men's side. Let's recap. What happened today? Today, Thursday. Gareen beat Garone six four two six six four. That's a little surprising. Marcos has been having a decent year for him, and Garin is more of more of a clay quarter. America, er, Miami is the South American Slam, but it was still hard courts, and uh, Gareen is from Chile. Um, Lorenzo Sonago beat Dominic Team 7-6, 6-2. Sorry, Madeline. It was another tough set, and Team's forehand let him down in the crucial moments, and the second set obviously was, you know, 6-2, not that great. sonigo was good, though. He made the semis of Rome that one time. He took Djokovic to—he took 2021 Djokovic, you know, he took calendar Grand Slam year Djokovic to three sets, and his name is Lorenzo Sonago. So, he's good. And, you know, team, you know, is now one win, eight losses in 2023, but Sonago's good. And I understand that team will want to be setting his sights higher than, you know, celebrating a win over Lorenzo Sonago. but you got to start somewhere, and he hasn't started there yet, so... We'll call it a tough loss. Christopher Eubanks beat Dennis Kudla, 7-6, 6-2. Mackenzie McDonald beat Daniel Elahi Galan, 6-4, 6-2. Richard Gasquet beat lucky loser Christopher O'Connell, 6-4, 3-6, 6-1. I think I picked that one. Ricky Diamond picked O'Connell. Not your best there, Ricky. Yosuke Watanuki defeated Benoit Pair, 6-4-7-5. I also picked that one. Congratulations to me. You guys don't know anything about Yosuke Watanuki, do you? Well, neither do I. Not really. But I still picked him to win. Thiago Montero beat Jason Kubler, 6-4-7-6. I picked Kubler. Oh, well. Tanasi Kokonakis beat Zizou Bergs 4 6 6-3, 7-6, 9-7 6-3, 9-7 in the third set tiebreak. Yuri Lehechka defeats Federico Correa. 6-3, six, 6-4. Six, Adrian Manorino beat Juncheng Shang. Shang. He beat Shang. Manorino beat Shang. Isn't he the 17-year-old IMG kid from Bradenton? Manorino got the win. One six six four six two. Quentin Halli beat Pedro Martinez, 6-2, 7 And yes, I said Martinez that way on purpose just to be annoying. Alex Molchan beat Jordan Thompson, 6-2, 4 6-3. Jordan Thompson has now regressed to the mean. Thomas Martin Echeverry beat Pavel Kotov, 6-2, 6-2. The American lucky loser Alexander Kovacevic beat Munar 7-6 2-6 6-1. Kovacevic sounds like copacetic. You know, like his game Kov Kovacevic's game was copacetic to getting the win. Roberto Carbeyes baina beat Bernabe Zapata milales 6-love 3-love retired. Yikes. There have been more retur- uh, retirements at this tournament than I've seen it in a while. I think the Australian Open, there were remarkably few. And the last day or two, they've been catching up. It's almost like tennis has an injury problem that nobody ever adequately addresses. Anyway, um, Gregoire Barrer beat Roman Sefulian 6-4, 3-6, 6-3. And those were your men's results from today let's take a look at tomorrow's schedule order of play friday march 24th 2023 it is now the round of 64 for both tours let's take a little bit of a zoom in here so seated players are now debuting 11 a.m eastern time maria uh, sorry 11 a.m eastern time andre rublev versus jj wolf Denis Shapovalov versus Guido Pea. Taylor Townsend vs. Ekaterina Alexandrova. Karolina Pliskova vs. Zinyu Wang. Roberto Bautista Agut vs. Emil Rusuvori. Karolina Muhova vs. Lin Zhu. 12pm. Maria Sakari vs. Bianca Andreescu. That one could be good. Second wave of matches for the day are these. Taylor Fritz vs. Emilio Nava. Anz Jabor vs. Varvara v- Gracheva. Yannick Sinner, banished to court 3, vs. Laszlo Jerry correctly assigned to court 3, Yannick Sinner. Barbora Kuchikova vs. Alexandra Sasnovich. Marketa Vondroshova vs. Veronika Kudermatova. Diego Schwartzmann vs. Yibang Wu. Marie Buskova vs. Anna Blinkova. Third wave of matches for the day are these right here. Carlos Alcaraz vs. Facundo Bagnus. At 2 p.m. Madison Keys vs. Robin Montgomery. Tommy Paul vs. Marc Andrea Huesler. Annalena Kalinina vs. Sophia Kennan. Boddick Van de Zand Schulp vs. Alexei Popran. Miamir Kekmanovic vs. Ugo Umber. Happy Hour Matches. About approximately 5 o'clock Eastern. Caroline Garcia vs. Sarana Kirstea. Petra Kvitova vs. Linda Naskova. Grigor Dimitrov vs. Jan Leonard-Struf. Alejandro Davidovich-Vokina versus Brandon Nakashima. Maxime Kressi versus Dusan Lajevich. Donna Vekic versus Madison Brangle. Donna Vekic, my pick to win the Miami Open, starting out on court two. Which is the seventh match court? Yikes! Night matches on first on the outside courts: Leila Fernandez versus Belinda Bencic. Holger Rune versus Martin Fucovich. Holger Rune getting banished to the fourth match court. Eh, that's a little unfair. Zhuai um, Zhang versus Erika Andriva. Now the marquee night matches, 7 p.m. on the grandstand court. Casper Ruud versus Ilya Ivashka, 7 p.m. on Stadium Court. Arena Sabalenka versus Shelby Rogers, and 8:30 p.m. Eastern. Alexander Zverev versus Taro Daniel. You guys gave Zverev a night match, really? I mean, seriously. With all his troubles and with all his headlines, I'm, and 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 by troubles I mean injuries, and by headlines I mean troubles. Really, you're giving him a night match at a Masters 1000 tournament that is already struggling for its stature? Not only within its own city, but within uh, within the tennis hierarchy? Miami is already a clear number two to Indian Wells at this time of year. It's clearly the more inferior leg of March Madness coffee sip time All right. Let's think here. Do we have any tennis headlines to discuss? You know what? I think we do. Djokovic gave an interview to CNN. All I have all I've done is hear about it, just the headline. I haven't actually seen what he said. You know what? We're going to do that right now. One-on-one with Novak Djokovic. CNN.com. Let's take a little read. All right, pulling this up here. This is good radio, but we're going to take a little listen with this. This was posted on Tuesday of this week. All right, let's read some uh, Indian Wells, or some Djokovic. All right, this is from CNN. Quote, Although all-time tennis great Novak Djokovic says that his rivalry with Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer made him the player he is today, initially the Serbian was, quote, pissed off to be part of the golden era. Quote, They made me stronger, both mentally, physically. My game was improved because of all these matches that we played against each other, mostly because of the matches that I lost to them. Some big matches. The 22-time Grand Slam champion told... CNN's Becky Anderson in an exclusive interview Tuesday. In his first interview since withdrawing from the Miami Open over visa issues... Hold on a minute, let me stop you right there, CNN. Why was this not written about any of the other tournaments? How come it wasn't in his first interview since withdrawing from the BNP Paribas Open over visa issues? Or in his first interview since withdrawing from whatever over visa issues? Why is Miami mentioned only. Why is Miami and Miami only mentioned here? Let me tell you why. Because Rick Scott, Marco Rubio, and Ron DeSantis made a political issue about it. That is why the CNN article is only mentioning Miami and not mentioning Indian Wells. In his first interview since withdrawing from the Miami Open over visa issues, Djokovic said he has no regrets after ceding the world number one ranking to Carlos Alcaraz and having to also miss Indian Wells in the United States this month. Yes, I know they just said it right there, but they didn't put that earlier in the sentence, and it does not mean the same thing when they write it later in the sentence. Djokovic is not allowed to travel to the U.S. because of his decision not to be vaccinated against COVID-19. On Monday, Djokovic ceded the top men's singles ranking which the 35-year-old has held more weeks than any other player, to the 19-year-old Spaniard after he was forced to miss Indian Wells. Djokovic is also missing the Miami Open this week. No, I have no regrets, Djokovic said in an interview with Anderson. I've learned through life that regrets only hold you back and basically make you live in the past, and I don't want to do that. I also don't want to live too much in the future. I want to be as much as I want to be as much as in the present moment, but of course think about future, create a better future. So I congratulate Alcaraz. He absolutely deserves to come back to number one. It's a pity that I wasn't able to play in Indian Wells and Miami. I love those tournaments. I had plenty of success there. But at the same time, it is the conscious decision I made, and I knew that there is always a possibility that I won't go. And it is the current state or current situation that I hope will change for later this year for the U.S. Open. That is the most important tournament for me on the American soil. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. He did not care about going, so he did not go. Straight from his mouth. Djokovic reiterated that at this stage in his career, the Grand Slams are what matter the most to him, and he will wait and see if he can go to New York. Spoiler alert, he will be able to go, CNN. Again, this is dishonest. CNN, if you're writing the article, this is where you write, it ends on May 11th. Trash. But it made news, so I'm going to keep reading it. Quote, I really want to be playing there, want to be there, Djokovic said. I actually had, in 2021, when I lost in the finals against Medvedev, probably one of the best moments I ever had with the New York crowd, and I've been fortunate to win that tournament three times, play many finals, and even though I lost that match, I received a lot of love and appreciation from people, and I want to go back and I want to reconnect with the crowd there. Bull. So that's something I'm looking forward to, and hopefully it will happen. Yeah, he's full of crap. For now, Djokovic's focus has shifted to the upcoming clay court season in Europe. Of his 22 Grand Slam singles titles, tying him with Rafael Nadal for the most in men's tennis, Djokovic has won the French Open, the next major on the tennis calendar, twice. Djokovic was a keynote speaker at the Dubai Future District Fund's first annual general meeting, where he talked about his business interests and foundation. He is part of a generation of athletes taking their career earnings and endorsements and turning them into business empires. I think some experiences are transferable. Not all of them, but I think character is. And I guess when you are successful in your core business, you want to continue in striving to be successful in other areas. And that's a kind of logical or a natural transition to a next phase of your life he explained to CNN. His portfolio of vested interests is varied and includes biotech, education, sustainability, and clean energy, he said. I've been trying to be sensitive and conscious about the fact that I have to start preparing my future as early as possible and surrounding myself with smart people who have the experience of being in that journey, in that area, in that sector that I'm interested in for quite some time because I'm new. While Djokovic joint leads the rankings of men's Grand Slam singles titles, he trails both Serena Williams and Margaret Court on the all-time list. That's something he will look to change this year and was full of admiration for Williams' achievement. She keeps, keeps inspiring myself, all the tennis players around the world, and she's really been an icon of our sport for so many years, he said. And it ends right there. That's good writing, not having an ending to your article. And there was a video here. Um, let's take a listen to that video. Maybe a commercial, maybe not. Please no commercial. Here comes a video. and like a, a Oh, look, there's a let's commercial. This- oh, there's a 15-second commercial. You know what? I'm not playing it. No ads. All right. That's going to do it for today's episode. I gave the schedule for tomorrow. Today in Miami, not a whole lot going on. And again, that's what's going to happen in these 12-day events. Can't wait for those Madrid and Rome podcasts where I'm going to say, hey, it's the first Thursday and nothing much happened today. All right. Thanks for listening to Trips Tennis Talk, the amateur podcast about professional tennis. This podcast was made by Argonne Productions.